This episode of Dear Asian Americans is brought to you by Toyota. As a proud partner of those who dare to dream, Toyota isn't settling with having them as words on a page. The stories of these Asian American dreamers need to be seen, heard, and supported. We hope these stories will inspire you to chase your own Asian American dream. Americans, everybody, we are excited to continue our conversation with the dreamers in our community, the Asian American Dreamer Series brought to you by Toyota. We're focusing our conversations on those of us who have dreamt to do a little bit more or something different than what we were taught to believe or that we were uh, that we thought could be possible for ourselves. Today, we are joining uh, our coach or friend and coach uh, Mike McPayo here in Riverside. He is the head basketball coach of the men's program here at UC Riverside, and uh, we're going to talk to him about how he ended up becoming a basketball coach of a Division I program, the zigs and zags in his life that he's faced, and as also a dreamer himself, but also a coach and a leader of young men in his program and the local community, how he sees about the different ways that we can also encourage others to dream as well. And so, Mike, uh, I feel like this is a welcome back, and we'll explain yeah. that in a minute, but welcome to the show. Oh, man, I'm, I couldn't be more honored to be here. This is a uh, very cool. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to be where I'm at and uh, just thankful to um, be in a place that I can share and hopefully uh, inspire others. Awesome. And I, and I said welcome back because you technically have not been on an episode of the show, but we featured your story and your photos uh, that Emmanuel Han took of you during the uh, Asian American campaign uh, about two years ago on our Instagram page. And so uh, that's how we became friends, and we were just talking. We do actually have other real-life mutual friends uh, from our past lives. And so um, you, a Filipino-American man, are the head basketball coach of a Division I uh, NCAA men's basketball program. That's rare. Uh, <laughs> how, you know, does that, how, how's that, you know, how did that happen, I guess, you know, because did you always want to be a basketball coach? I know you didn't, you know, go into coaching or athletics directly out of, you know, school either. Yeah, you know it's a uh, it's it's more than rare. It's it's I'm the first and uh, only um, ever Filipino American and full uh, Asian heritage. I'm the I'm the first and um, now there's a second half half Japanese at Portland State. A friend of mine, Jace Coburn. Um, very lucky um, to a certain extent uh, to land in, in in such a great spot. But I I did have a passion for coaching at a young age. You know when I was. Uh, Funny enough, when I was 15, 16 years old, I was um, in high school and uh, I started helping out my dad coach my little brother um, and just kind of assisting him. And, and my dad always coached us growing up. And the college at UC Santa Barbara, you know, I would work in the basketball department. And one of the um, gentlemen that ran one of the intramural departments asked me if I wanted to coach seventh and eighth grade boys and seventh and eighth grade girls at a local middle school in Santa Barbara, um, in a place called Hope Ranch, which was uh, very wealthy. And that's how I got my start. I was 19 years old coaching seventh and eighth grade boys and, and one in, in the winter and then seven, eighth grade girls in the spring. And, and, uh, that's, that's actually where it started. Never did I, in a million years that I actually think that I would be, this would be my profession. You know, I, I always, wanted to be uh, a businessman or a lawyer or, you know, I love Jerry Maguire. I wanted to be a sports agent. So I definitely wanted to be in sports in some way, but I was more thinking um, the business path. And uh, 
you know, man, there's a lot of years in between how this happened, but, you know, I coached high school basketball for nine years, kind of as a side hobby Mm -hmm. at age 21 to age 30. But in the, during that time, I was also in the business world. Um, and you know, the stroke of luck, the, uh, the real estate business that I was in, we had a crash in 2008 seven and eight and we survived but i was going to nyu to get my master's of real estate and wrote letters to all the college basketball coaches um in new york city and i got one response um a guy named kyle smith who was uh, just got the head coach job at columbia university in the ivy league and volunteered for him for two three months and he offered me a job but i had to there was a caveat i had to give up my real estate company and not go to nyu to get my master's and start at the bottom and you know at that point this had become a dream of mine um i'd seen other coaches in the division one level do it and uh that had come from the business world and i thought that this was my shot and i gave it all up um luckily i made some money in the real estate that allowed me to chase this crazy dream that's incredible what i mean what gave you the conviction to say yes, right? Because you're, yeah. you had a successful business career. You were going to school, giving that up again, like you said, at the bottom, yeah. you know, unpaid or lowly paid, um, at a school at Columbia, great academic school, but you know, um, like that's not, you got to start somewhere, right? Yeah. You know what it was, you know, the funny thing is he, I was volunteering there and still planning to go to NYU. And he asked me, he's like, would you be interested in this? position the lowest man on the totem pole called the director of operations and i started asking him questions and i didn't say yes with conviction right away and the next day this was in the middle of summer july of 2010 he calls me and he's like i decided to offer it to someone else but thanks and that moment i was crushed thinking i just lost my one chance to be a division one basketball coach um three weeks later one of the assistants called me hey i think that 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 guy that took your job is getting another job, a division two head coach. And a couple days within that next two days, uh, Kyle Smith called me again. And without even obviously no hesitation, I said, yes, it was August at that point. He's like, okay, good. You got to move here in three days. We knew that we're starting, you know, season, you got to drop it. Like you can't do go to NYU. So uh, I think the loss thinking that I lost the one opportunity that I had to, to accomplish a dream that was something that had became a dream. You know, it wasn't a dream when I was growing up I didn't know that I could do that or for a guy that did not play um, college basketball. I didn't know that this was a possibility, but I jumped in. He ended up hiring me lowest man on totem poles um, and uh, kind of worked my way up from there over the next, what is it? I mean, I don't even know. That was 2010. So I became a head coach in 2020. Hmm. Um, So 10 years um, before I became a head coach. So, you know, we just talked about the lack of visibility or representation for, especially in folks within, uh, you know, professional sports, collegiate sports, especially at the men's basketball level at Division One. We also know, um, at least, you know, we've had folks like uh, Marshall on the show, uh, Marshall Cho, another basketball coach um, at the high school level. There exists a community of guys, men, women who support each other. Um, talk to us about sort of that support system that exists to provide not only tangible support through job introductions, but also sort of that camaraderie that you build in a you know environment where you don't really see. You know, not to say that people are working against us, but um, talk to us about that community that exists. You know, it's funny. I always talk to, to my wife, Caroline, and I throw out different examples. I'm like, would you be willing to move to Portland if that job, you know, two years ago, I interviewed at Portland, University mm-hmm. of Portland or Hawaii. But I don't ask about maybe the new, you know, the New Mexico's or like uh, that there's a certain, I guess, 
uh, area or um, community that'll accept an Asian coach. Mm -hmm. I really think there's certain communities that aren't ready for it yet. Um, you know, in 2012, uh, I started and Marshall was there. Uh, Marshall Cho was there at our very first meeting. Um, I started the Asian Coaches Association, and that was the goal was to just so that we could network with each other, but also support each other. Um, there was already the Jewish Coaches Association, which was very powerful, um, which my boss at the time, Kyle Smith, and my coworker Kobe Allman were part of. And they're the ones who encouraged me to start the Asian Coaches Association. So the first meeting, I've, I've told the story a bunch. We had 14 people there, six Asians coaches and then the rest are the Columbia staff just supporting me. Mm. Um, but this organization now we get about 150 to 200 people show up at every event that we have. Um, and there's probably about 25 to 30 Asian coaches on the men's side in, in college basketball. Now on the woman's side, as this, we, we, we have two, two sides of it. We have the woman's side and it's run by our vice president, Steve Yang, um, who's, um, an assistant coach on the in division one basketball on the Asian, um, on the woman's side. And you'll find that there are, nearly a hundred Asian woman coaches. Oh. So it, it, it's really interesting, but yes, like you, you look at it from the men's on the men's point of view, we are not um, comfortable for a lot of, I would say a lot of coaches. They just don't see it, you know, whatever the reason may be, right? Like we can really delve deep into that and really, I don't know what the answer is, but they don't see us. They also don't see us. We don't, there's not as many Asian players right, right now. So you, whereas the woman's side, the fact is there are a lot of more Asian women yeah. players and thus there are Asian women coaches. Um, so I, I don't really have the answer. I, I do know it's absolutely a factor and how I broke those barriers. I'm really yeah. thankful to a guy like Kyle Smith who didn't see barriers um, in hiring me and giving me a shot. I also think you have to, you're, you have to produce, right? Like you have to be good at your job. And so I, th I think, you know, the truth is like, that's what I tell all the young Asian coaches. I was like, you got to kick butt. You got to be aggressive. You can't, this is an aggressive business. The African-American coaches, the white coaches, they are aggressive. We have to be more aggressive. That's kind of my main theme with our Asian Coaches Association. And part of that comes because I did have a business and sales background. So just like you did. And to understand that, hey, the, the way this thing works is, you do got to put yourself out there and be more aggressive. You do got to take chances and take risks. Um, trust me, my parents were like, what are you doing? Like yeah. you've run in a real estate company, you're CEO of a real estate company for seven years and you're going to make $40,000 in New York city, start at the bottom um, as what, you know, director <laughs> operations. So you're, you're dealing with that, the family yeah. structure, you know, the, one of my favorite movies is <laughs> boiler room. Cause uh, you know, there's a scene where Ben Stiller goes like F you mom and dad, like I'm going to be, it's, it's basically going for your own dreams. And, yeah. and you know, my, my parents in the end have always been super supportive and my dad has always told me, um, go for my dreams. And I think that's why I've been willing to take some of these risks. There's so much in what you just shared, Mike, because I think the opportunities that one are rarely afforded to us is one problem. But as you mentioned, there is a real limitation of options based on where we're welcomed. You know, I, I had similar thoughts and conversations with friends coming out of business school where, you know, uh, other friends would say, hey, I want to go work in, you know, rural Wisconsin for this CPG company or whatever. And for many, not just Asian folks, but many students of color, it's like, I don't know if I would thrive there. Right. Right. I don't know if I'd be welcome there. And yeah. it's not a reflection to say that the organization was a bad place. Sure. But locally, if I have to raise my family there, if I have to raise kids there, is that a place where somebody that looks like me and you can thrive? And basketball coaches are a completely different story because you're public. 
you're always, uh, you know, being criticized or praised, depending on how the games go. Definitely. And you have a lot of constituents. You have administration, you have your team, you have your their parents, you have students, you have, you know, the industry. And so, you know, I, I think Riverside, perhaps, you know, what better place, right? The Absolutely. student population here, there's great diversity and a Absolutely. lot of representation from Asian folks. Uh, great community here. Riverside is, again, as a city, as a region, very diverse. Yep. So how has that, you know, what was your recommendation in terms of, we think about these dreams as independent things, and sometimes you all buy into the hustle culture of, if you can dream it, you can be it. And it's not, because it takes not only a village, but it also takes the right environment, a physical environment sometimes, for us to realize that dream. Um, and I'm curious, what you know, other than, um, you know, what other things helped you believe in that dream? Because going from Colombia to here, Again, with less options or options that you we could not we don't have the luxury to have uh, considered equally landed you here in a pretty good spot. That's such a great question, um, and the, the thought process behind it is something that I absolutely um, study. And it is number one, everybody has a brand, and number two, fit matters. You know, so when when I made I, after Columbia, I went to a little school in North Carolina called Campbell University, and I spent three years down there and they accepted me. I was the only Asian in town. And then my wife, my future wife, ended up moving with me and they ended up I mean, they accepted us. But would they really hire an Asian coach? Probably not. So when Kyle Smith got the San Francisco job, mm. They may have. I don't want to put that on Campbell. Maybe they would have, you know, and they treated me great. And they treated my wife and I great. But we were in a little town called Bowie's Creek, North Carolina. So when Kyle Smith left Columbia to go to University of San Francisco, he hired me back. Mm. Um, and obviously that fit mattered. And then one of our friends, uh, David Patrick, who I owned, and there's only two guys, the three guys who have, who have taken a chance on an Asian assistant coach, my boss at Campbell, Kyle Smith, and David Patrick got the job here at UC Riverside. And the fit the, not only the fit because of the diverse population, but also the fit with this particular head coach mm. who was known as a recruiter and he needed my brand in coaching was organization, um, a guy who could coach, um, but really like the details and organization of the overall program. And it was, it was a perfect fit for me to go with David Patrick, who was known as a recruiter. Mm. Coaches get hired because they can recruit. I, my brand wasn't recruiting, even though I could, I can recruit, yeah. but my brand was what probably the stereotype of an Asian, uh, whether it's a professional or, and, and in this type of profession coaching, it was being organized, detailed, <laughs> being able to put the film together. And, and, uh, you know, one of the things I've kind of gone with, I've, I've gone the other way with some of my, again, young Asian coaches who asked me, I'm like, you know, well, just accept it. If people want to yeah. tell you, you're, you, you know, you're organ whatever. And, and, but I'm, the brand, my brand fit Coach Patrick's brand. And he utilized my organization skills to help build this program at UC Riverside. Now, the fit as far as the the area and the diversity of this university absolutely helped. Now I'm, now I'm in a place where, like, I could be the head coach here at UC Riverside. I could be the head coach at University of San Francisco. Obviously, it's, a, right. it's a extremely, I mean, at the time. And so those decisions matter and being thoughtful about that absolutely matters. Like fit, where do you fit? Yeah. And fit goes to both ways, right? I think sometimes you always think about how do we fit in with yeah. the existing culture, which a lot of the times wasn't really built for us. Right. Yeah. But then we have to also be really, you know, deliberate and intentional saying, well, does the culture fit with me? 
Yes. Right. Do I care to have that brand associated with me and not just the other way around? And, and I do think that you being at Riverside here, while you build your career even more, you know, so that maybe with more recognition or with more respect or with more success, that other places will welcome you in a different way, right? Because depending on where we are, you know, in our careers, the acceptability changes. I, I wish I didn't have to say that, but it does matter, right? Because Absolutely. we're judged by our resume, but even perhaps with uh, an unfortunate level of scrutiny that doesn't exist for other people. Yeah, you know, I, I, I the joke, I, I tell this joke all the time now that when I was an assistant coach or trying to make my way as an assistant, nobody would hire an Asian assistant coach. Mm. It was very hard for me to get jobs, you know, um, and I was part of a winning program, program at Columbia, part of a winning program at Campbell, part of a winning program at San Francisco. What, what's funny is when I became a head coach, which was a fortunate turn of events, but when I became a head coach now, being Asian American was this impetus for so much publicity. And, <laughs> you know, like I told you after that first year, I was a finalist for the Portland job and I was 14 and eight here at UC Riverside. Yeah. And I was like, I wouldn't even hire me. I don't have enough experience <laughs> to, you know, but, but it was, it's, it's, and again, that, that, that goes to even, even just saying that, which is something yeah. that I try to coach other Asians. It's like, ah, we're so, we're, we're trained to be humble. We're yeah. so trained to be um, self-deprecating. And that one thing Kyle Smith used to tell me is like, like Pyle, he'd always yell. He's like, "Stop with the self-deprecating!" Like he was always coaching me to be more aggressive and be more. But you, 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 again, you nailed it on the head. Like it, um, it's very interesting to think about those things. So we talked a little bit about sort of what your parents thought about the dream, and I think for many of us, we think about that. And you know, um, I turned forty this year. We both have two kids. Like. We think about sort of what our decisions, career decisions mean in terms of the sacrifices that our parents made. And we don't want to disrespect their sacrifice, but we're also here to chase our own dreams. How do you view that? And how do you want to uh, raise your kids to balance doing right by us? Does that even matter anymore for us? Or is our job to provide purely the opportunities versus them chasing dreams in a world we don't even know, uh, you know, what that might look like? Yeah, I think my parents were no different than uh, most, uh, I guess, the stereotype of Asian parents that come from other countries. I mean, they they wanted us to be doctors, lawyers, wanted all of us to go to UCLA. I'm one of five kids. Um, when I got when I decided to go to UC Santa Barbara, did not get into UCLA. They were so disappointed. It was, but um, you know, the one thing my dad, I'm very lucky. My dad and every his birthday card he was always saying chase your dreams you you can accomplish anything and so i'm really fortunate that that stuck with me and they were uh encouraging and motivating in the way that they they parented me um and now that they've gotten older you know all, all five of their kids are successful in whatever they do you know and, and happy um i think as you get older and you see that i would love to end up where my parents have been raised a great family of five kids and all of them are successful and kids have kids themselves thinking about my two kids. God, it's just a different world. Um, I want to steer them in the right direction, just like I would with my, my, my players. Yeah. I want to, but, I, but in the end, I do want them to be happy. Um, but the, but the truth is, of course, I want them to be happy doing something that's purposeful with their life. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm learning every day. I got a two and a half year old as my oldest and an eight month old. So we'll see. I know I'm already way softer than I thought I was going to be. My dad was the strictest guy, dad ever. My parents were strict and surprisingly, I'm pretty strict 
and stern with my team, but when it comes to my boys, I can already tell it, uh, my wife is shocked at how soft yeah. I am. So I wonder, um, uh, it's easy to say, yeah, I want them to be happy, but of course I want them to be successful and, and, um, live a purposeful life. That's beautiful, man. And when we talk about dreams, sometimes we have to visually see it and know that other people have done it. Yeah. And, and that is so critically important. And so, you know, kudos to you for starting the Asian Coaches Association because not it's not only being visible, but it's making it easy, right? Because it's about access and opportunities uh, to make it tangibly more accessible for the next guy. And truth be told, we have to unfortunately prove that this is a financially viable career option so that young people can believe, hey, you know, it might take some sacrifice, what job doesn't, but if I stick it out, I can go, you know, take care of my family and not, you know, have to sacrifice that so that I can chase my dream. And so I think what you're doing here is fantastic. And, uh, you know, uh, we've been friends for a while and we see each other's, you know, videos and photos of our kids and family. And just the fact that you're always so present with your kids and uh, in a in a challenging seasonal calendar as, as you have. We're sitting here right outside your your, your <laughs> arena, uh, you know, and, and working around practice and all that. It's it's incredible. Um, what is the perhaps you're living your dream, as you said, but where does that dream go? Uh, how do you want to continue leaving an impact and legacy, not just for your kids, but for other you know Asian coaches or folks who see you as an inspiration? Yeah, I, it's I, I'm living a um, I'm living the dream because I'm living a really fulfilling life. So every single day, um, you know, for example, today I have 15 players on the team that needed my leadership um, and the coaching staff's leadership because we got our butts kicked last game um, in the middle of a good season. And uh, for the last 48 hours, I've been racking my brain and reading and trying to figure out how to lead and talking mm -hmm. to my wife about it and, and kind of game planning with how I was going to attack today. Um, and I thought I thought the guys had a good good response um so I, I live a really fulfilled life because of that i think that because i i kind of focus on purposeful ventures first i started with this coaching venture which i had no seven years in I, I was talking to my best friends going and i'm in north carolina going like did i make the right decision what am i doing here things worked out and I am living the dream and thus the Asian Coaches Association was um, founded and has grown. Um, and, you know, I don't put like a ton of time, but it does take some work. Mm -hmm. um, but it definitely I feel so much uh, pride to see my buddy Marshall Cho get a head coach job, you know, a big time head coach job in, in uh, at Lake Oswego or Jace Coburn become the um you know, another Asian coach at Portland State um, and to see some of the Anthony Santos at Fullerton become associate head coach last year. Um, and so the, you're, you're seeing progress. And so I got a lot of pride in that. And I think that drives me to hopefully find the next purposeful venture and continue to move our community forward. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time. We're in uh, thick of your season. And yeah. so genuinely be grateful uh, for, for you making time. I know you're not done. In, in life and in impact and then where you're going. And so, uh, so glad we could meet and share some time together. Uh, and I'm just going to say it. Uh, we'll see you in March in the tournament because let's do you it. You got to go. All awesome. right, man. Let's Thanks, do Mike. It. Thanks, Jerry. Appreciate it. Thank you to Mike Macpayo for sharing his story of his Asian American dream. You can learn more about Mike at Coach Sonic on Instagram. And thank you to Toyota for their partnership of the Asian American Dreamer series on this podcast. Head over to YouTube to watch the full video version of this episode and check out at the Asian Americans on Instagram to view short form video highlights. This has been your host, Jerry Wan and the Asian Americans. Keep on dreaming.